contrary to popular belief, Tua doesn't play one snap against Tom Brady. For me, nothing happened. Um, everyone else is the one making it awkward. Uh, doesn't occupy a single iota of space with anybody. We have. It's hard enough to be good in this league. Um, we're uh, as the Miami Dolphins. We're very. Um, we're, all of our energy is very coordinated and only has to do with us getting better and everything else um, would be an opportunity cost that we're not um, willing to expend. That's Mike McDaniel, the head coach for whom the Dolphins settled when they couldn't get Sean Payton and Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the quarterback for whom the Dolphins settled when they couldn't get Tom Brady. And that's, that's the bottom line. That's why it's awkward because the Buccaneers – Quarterbacked by Tom Brady, got together with the Dolphins yesterday for a joint practice in advance of a preseason game. So, yeah, right. I, I understand Tua and Tom Brady don't play on the field at the same time, but that didn't stop us from saying Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. It doesn't stop us from looking for the next Manning and Brady rivalry. We understand how that goes. And it's not about the fact that they don't play on the field at the same time. It's about the fact that Tom Brady was actively talking to the Dolphins about taking the job that Tua holds. So that's why it's awkward. And and look, both teams, I think, have done a good job of internally saying nothing to see here, even though the reality is there is plenty to see here. Yes. I mean, it's, it's a huge story. I mean, it's fun for people like us. I don't, you know, I'm sure in those, both of those locker rooms, there was some chatter, you know, around this subject for 24 hours or so. You know, and some guys on the Dolphins and maybe on the defensive side of the ball going, man, imagine what we might have been like if Brady was here. Oh, my gosh, blah, 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 and all that. And like we talked about with Tampa, I'm sure there were some guys in that locker room were going, does Brady really want to be here? Okay, but he's here working hard and working his ass off every day. He obviously does. So, you know, they come around to that. But, you know, Mike McDaniel, I'll echo what he says. It's just like, damn, you, you, you only got – it's hard enough. You're trying to grind through training camp and stay focused on your own life. And, you know, I'm trying to become a better player. I'm trying to make, you know, a team. So I'm sure there was a few guys yesterday out there in the practice field that were looking at that conversation and going, man, what if that guy was on our team and blah, blah, blah. But I don't find it a distraction. You know, I don't think it's a distraction for their football teams. It's just a it's, it's going to be kind of just hovering over them a little bit. I'm curious, though. Yeah. And this applies both to Mike McDaniel, the coach of the Dolphins, and Todd Bowles, now the coach of the Bucks. Number one, do you address the elephant in the room with the full group of players? Mm. And two, two, in this age of alternative facts, in this age of truth is just an impediment on the way to whatever it is I'm trying to do, do you say what happened or do you try to send a message to the men in the locker room that just gets them to get past it. Even if you're not telling them the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. That's, that's a good, good question. I, I would be one if I was a coach or a player that I'd want to hear, you know, just address it, address it. If I was the coach, I would address it. I just, Hey, Hey, listen, we're in 2022 Tom Brady. You know, it doesn't mean that he wanted to go to the Miami Dolphins. Just doesn't mean he just disliked us here in Tampa Bay. There's a lot of things that went into that factor, but we can't, you know, dispute Tom Brady. We know he loves playing football. He's here. He's all in with us right now. And what happened in the offseason and his own personal life, and there's a lot of reasons maybe of why he was trying to make those moves, you know, that's his business. And that's business in the NFL. It's a crazy business. But all I know right now is we're here as a team and Brady's here and 
we're going to go forward, and I know Tom Brady is going to work his ass off and lead us in the right direction. So we could all think about the what-ifs, but, you know, screw off and let's go practice today. And I think the locker room will be like, yeah, let's go, and that's it. I think that's, I would address it that way, and I would it's something similar like that if I was Mike McDaniel, and I'd want to hear that as a player. It's a different dynamic, It's a different dynamic. You're right. With the Bucks, it's it's yeah, maybe Tom wanted to leave us, but he's here, and let's go, let's go win one for the Gipper. For the Dolphins, it's they they well, they you really got want they didn't really didn't want me. They wanted Sean Payton. You just have to deal with me. Well, I'd, I'd like to think yeah. there's a way to make it funny and engaging. Exactly. And you know how Mike McDaniel is. I think that's what you do. Uh, Not that what he said yesterday was all that funny. I'd right. like to think what he said in the locker room. You know, it just breaks the ice. It deals with the elephant in the room. And then the reality, we're all moving on together. It doesn't matter who else they may have wanted. I'm not the only coach who's been hired by an NFL team who wasn't the first choice. Yes, exactly. You know, and and, and so. just lay it out. Like, you know, hey, it's Sean Payton. You, 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 you prop up Sean Payton. You know, I understand our ownership wanting him. And Tua, don't be offended. It's okay. We're still in your corner. You know, of course they flirted with Tom Brady. It's Tom Brady. He's the greatest quarterback of all time. But it didn't happen, so let's you know band together and tell the rest of the media and the football world to screw off. Nobody thinks we should be here. We're the second choice, and you know let's do something like that. I, I do, you know, that would be my take, and that would be something as a player that I would rather hear than you know act like it didn't happen or you know we're just gonna you know, you know like you said just you know kind of just like oh oh yeah oh, I don't know blah 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 that, that that's not the way I would want to approach as a player or if I was the coach. And I don't know enough about McDaniel to know if he would do this, but there really is a way to have some fun with it where you could put together a little visual presentation where you can say to the guys, and, and this isn't me talking, this is just how it would go within the confines of the private meeting room of the Dolphins, but you could like put up a picture of Peyton and say, hey, you guys could have had a coach who's you know, 58 years old and won a yeah, Super Bowl yeah. back when you all were in grade school and and hasn't done anything without Drew Brees and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And and you can have a quarterback and put up the picture of Brady at the scouting combine. And you can have a guy who – you can have this body at age 45. He looked 45 then. You can have this guy who's close to the end. You can have these two. Or, or you know what we could have? And then you put up Tyreek Hill. Because that's, that's who we got instead is Tyreek Hill. So you guys decide what you want. You guys decide what makes us a better team this year. These two old men – or Tyreek Hill. I mean, that's a way to do it. But I agree. again, I, I don't. I, it's not my thought, but that's kind of a way to make chicken salad out of the situation. If you're Mike McDaniel, because that's the truth. There's no way they have Tyreek Kill if they do the Sean Payton, Tom Brady. Thing. No, you're right. They don't have the assets to trade away. What was it? The five, five picks, right? The basically to get them was it three yeah. or five? What I can't even remember. Five now. picks. It was five, right? Yeah. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I, that's just you know. Again, I, I think players always appreciate honesty that way. They they can see through bullshit. Uh, they can see through it. So uh, I don't know. And Mike McDaniel, I know he's he's got a, a good touch with guys. And Todd Bowles has his own way, uh, certainly. But yeah, I, I would love to have been there yesterday to evaluate, you know, the practice and just the body language of Brady and talking to Tua and all of that. You know, I would have loved to have seen that. And you know, I know they had their conversations that we're going to discuss here in a second. And, well, there's a photo of the back and forth. Tom is looking a little haggard yep. there. I know he's 45 and I'm 12 he's years looking older, a little older and I lately. look haggard too. Yeah. But it's a kid's game. And it really is. You talked yesterday about when you're 30 in a locker room and there's all these young guys. And 
It's got to be exponentially worse when you're 45. I, I, I can't even And imagine. you're in a locker room with guys literally half your age and younger. So Tua Tonga-Vailoa, after the joint practice yesterday, shared his version and his thoughts and observations on his conversation with Tom Brady. Here he is. Yeah, I, I was able to talk to Tom. Um, I mean, we, we were talking on the side for, for a good bit. He was just asking how the offseason was. Um, you know, we were talking a little about golf at the same time. Uh, but for the most part, um, you know, 23 years playing, I mean, that's a long time. That's a lot of knowledge. So I, I was asking him some things. I think they were doing that in 2019, but then I came in 2020. So I, I mean, they picked me. So I, I mean, so, so 2020, it's 2022, 20, I mean, I'm still here, so. Again, somebody's lying to him or he's being deliberately ignorant about when they tried to get him. This wasn't just 2019-2020 before he was drafted. It was this year, this calendar year, plan in place to, I know you don't listen to outside noise, but in the event that you somehow have been, you know, clockwork oranged into watching this show, it was this year. They wanted Tom Brady now, not you, Tom Brady and Sean Payton. That was the plan, and it was going to happen. But for the head coach that was trying to run you out of town filing his lawsuit when he did, it would have happened. So Yeah. Um, it's uh... and, You know, the other thing, too, good luck picking Tom Brady's brain. I remember when RG3 tried to do that at joint practice. Tom Brady's not telling you anything. Not a whole lot. As I long as think. he's still in the league, he's not telling you jack squat. Yeah. I I, I, uh, I don't disagree with you there. You're right. He's he's ultra competitive. He's not going to give you any you know, too many – you know, too many clues here and, and come back and bite him in the butt and beat him somewhere. Um, so uh, Brady's, you know, got a great way about him. He is really cool to talk to. There's no doubt. I'm sure he said some good things to Tua that will help him out with his career, definitely. But I'm then, even with Tua there, yeah, I wish he would just, you know, you know yes, somebody tell, like, do it. You don't look good when you say those things. That looks like you're, like, in a little bit of a fantasy world to a degree. You know, that's another one where, you know, I was in not quite a similar situation, but after I lost my spleen, and you'll remember this, I think it was uh, 07, it might have been 08, the Buccaneers were flirting with Brett Favre, and we thought there was a chance he might come down there and be our quarterback, I think right before. 08. Yeah, that was 08, 08. right? And then training camp. And, you know, I, I remember people, like, asking me, and I just remember going, like, it's, it's Brett freaking Favre. Of course they are going to look at him. I certainly haven't earned the respect to go, Brett Favre can't come here and, you know, beat me out with a no spleen and I'm not worth a damn right now or any of the quarterbacks on the roster. We had Jeff Garcia in that training camp, anything. So, you know, at some point you just got to deal with the reality of like, wait, that guy is a football god and I'm not going to be mad at my owner and coach when they had an opportunity to kind of get that guy, that they did it. It doesn't necessarily mean they didn't believe in you or didn't like you or anything. It's just this guy is the freaking man. He's the GOAT. He's going to have like his own little corner in the Hall of Fame. So, uh, and I just, you know, sometimes I just think, I wish players and coaches would just take these things head on and it would kind of diffuse it. 
It would. You wouldn't ask many questions. Everyone, okay, that's it. Boom, 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 and we move on with life. And when you kind of are 2019 and 2020, no, five it's, months it's ago. two straight weeks. It's I know. two straight weeks know, he said that. He's playing silly. the hits now, and it's just flat out sounds wrong. Silly. It's right. alternative facts. Right. That's the thing, and it does. It makes him look bad, and I don't know if he realizes it or if someone's just lying to him and he's peddling what someone's telling him, but it just is a bad, bad look. Uh, Tom Brady had nothing to say about the situation. Tom Brady has ducked the media ever since this came out. He's done one training camp press conference. Now, I don't know this for sure, but I've heard some chatter that we're not going to hear from him again until week one of the regular season when he's required to do a midseason press conference and then post-game, every player has to be available. High-profile players have to be available in a press conference setting. All other players have to be available in an open locker room once a week, and then after the game, everybody is, is fair game, and some players will do a press conference after the game. He's not doing anything. And I, I've heard that, like, NFL Network, they're doing that training camp. They're everywhere. He said no, 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 no. I heard Sirius yesterday was trying to get him – don't know whether or not it was successful. He's got that Let's Go podcast that's a serious XM production. I, I, I think he is trying to avoid being in any position where he's asked a single question about this, hopeful that when he's finally available, it's going to be about getting ready for the Cowboys, and that's all he's going to be asked about, and he's not going to. Or if he does get a question about it, he's going to be able to say, well, I'm really focused on the Cowboys right now. If you successfully avoid having to talk to anybody and answer questions about the stuff when it was relevant and you wait long enough, you can say, well, I'm just focused on the Cowboys right now. Yeah, that's And, what he and I yeah. bet that's what he'll say. I agree. He's just, you know, oh, that was last year. I'm really not focused on He's going to, you know, the Bill Belichick hits, basically. That's what he's going to do. He'll revert to his New England robot ways. And, uh, again, I, I'm not going to be mad at him for it. You know, I'm not. You know, that, that, that's the, you know, one thing I don't always love about him is that he doesn't, you know, isn't forthright all the time with that type of stuff, but I'm not going to be mad. I understand. He doesn't want to make it any more of a story. He does want to focus. I know that. We all know that. He wants to focus on football, and he wants the Bucks to be the best, and if that means he's got to look a little weird by dodging the media, he'll do that, and you know, I'm not going to hate on him for that. Um, well, I, it would be nice, though. It would be nice, I know. Point. And hopefully, yeah. hopefully when he does have a press conference. Look, I know it's difficult for the folks who cover the Buccaneers because if you start antagonizing the Buccaneers, they will retaliate. Plenty of teams will do that. They'll, you, you'll have limited access. You try to get, hey, can I get five minutes with the coach? Sorry, he's not available. I mean, you, they, they, if, if you piss them off, they will find ways to get back at you. And I'm not saying – Buccaneers specifically it's a broader dynamic and if you cover the team for a living if you push far enough all of a sudden you're of no use to your publication if you can get no one on the phone if you can get interviews with no one on the team if they're all treating you like a pariah you may as well tap out of the beat because you can't do the job so those are the people who are going to be asking him questions the next time he's available so by definition they're in a tough spot and rarely do you have someone who's going to stand up and, 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 and push back in that setting. It's difficult. It's awkward. It's inherently delicate. And it's not a normal human interaction when you've got a room full of people asking one question after another. But I hope someone will stand up and ask him some tough questions. How can you give the fans any assurances that you really wanted to be here this year? And I don't even know that that's a good question. I don't know. I'd want to sit down and think about it. But I, wa I want to hear Tom Brady have to talk about why – he did what he did. I wanted to just acknowledge that he did it. I think, I think that, the, the, if you know, he did it. He, we know he did it. The league found that 
the Dolphins did it as to him, that means he did it as to them, meaning he did want out of Tampa Bay, that his retirement wasn't a real retirement. It was an effort to quit the Buccaneers. That's what I'd like for him to admit. But then again, do we really need him to admit it? Because anybody who's been paying attention knows it. Yeah, no, I, uh, you're right. It's, it's, it, it would be cool. It would be cool, you know, if he did admit it and, and went that way. Again, it's another one like Tua where I just feel like if you took it head on and was like, hey, I, yeah, I had an opportunity. You know, my family, we, we were thinking about moving. We were going to move to Miami. We want to live there. You know, I think if he kind of stated it that way, again, I don't think people would, would really question it all that much or it wouldn't, the criticism wouldn't be all that harsh in my opinion because it, we're, we're not going to – we're never doubting Tom Brady isn't all in once he makes up his mind and figure that out. Yeah, okay, yeah, he flirted with the Dolphins and had something going there. There was a lot of reasons for that. You know, minority ownership, family moving there, all of those type of things that connected in life and, and sport that he wanted to make work. And again, I'm not going to be mad at him for that. And I don't think most people would be because as soon as he signed back with the Bucks, the one thing I know of this is he's all in with the Bucks again. That's You don't have to question that with this man. So that's where I don't think he wants it would, Super Bowl number eight. He wants number exactly. Eight. That's where I don't in. think it would be a story, you know, sometimes. And sometimes I do think guys, you know, avoiding these type of conversations, make it a little bit bigger of a story than than uh, maybe it should be. Sometimes it's just good to hear Jack Nicholson admit that he ordered the code red. Sometimes <laughs> you just want I'm serious. I know. Sometimes you just want the guy to say, OK, here's what happened. I'd had enough of Bruce Arians because he is not Bill Belichick, and I wanted to play with a coach who was more like Bill Belichick, an offensive mastermind whose teams were 4-0 against us in the regular season. And one of those games happened when he was out with COVID. That's how good of a coach he is. So I wanted to partner up with him because Bruce Arians is kind of semi-retired, and he just swoops in and tries to change aspects of the game plan late in the week. And it, I'm just, it, it got old. I don't want that anymore. I'm too old to have to worry about that. So, yeah, hey, we got plans uh, to, to build a house in Miami. It's not that far from our place in Costa Rica. And, 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 and so I wanted to go play for the Dolphins. So, uh, so what's wrong with that? I originally signed a two-year contract. I did a one-year extension for cap purposes. If I want out, they should let me go. And when it all blew up because Brian Flores filed his lawsuit and I had no other choice and the 49ers didn't want me, I tried to go out there and flirt with them again and they weren't interested, I decided I'll come back to the Buccaneers as long as Bruce Arians isn't the coach. I'd like to just see him admit that yeah. because we kind of know that's how it went. I know, I know. I, I, you know, I think it's, it's, it's one of the – if there's any negatives of Brad Brady, that, that's one of them that's, you know, that way a little bit. He's just not as, you know, maybe as honest as an Aaron Rodgers is. You know, an honest, Aaron Rodgers wasn't honest one time, and we were disappointed in the immunized thing because, you know, Aaron Rodgers is usually the guy that he takes those things head on and he challenges you, and I think he was the right guy to kind of do that at that time. That's where I was disappointed in him a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Brady's not that way. He kind of plays the, the political angle maybe a little bit more. And, but, again, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just not, you know, the favorite, our favorite way to handle things, at least you and I. But at least he didn't lie to us about when he got his next contract. At least he didn't lie about that. Stop it. Okay. There was a lot of things there. What do you want to have a fight right now? You want to fight? No. no. Let's go. Let's go. Bare knuckled old school, baby. Um, Speaking of contracts, Greg Penner, the new CEO of the Denver Broncos, the chair of Walmart. Yesterday there was a press conference. They made it clear they are going to be very involved, which is good news for the Broncos. You want the owners to be there. You want to be around, holding people accountable, hiring good folks. And they've, 
got Russell Wilson under contract. Here is an exchange that happened during yesterday's introductory press conference for the new ownership group with Greg Penner about Russell Wilson and that next big contract that he is destined to get in Denver. I think fans are probably most concerned with um, Russ Wilson's future, and I was wondering, you know, is that a top year to-do list, getting a long-term contract done with him? When, when would that commence? Well, first of all, we, we couldn't have been more excited as we were going through the process to see that the organization had, had made the trade for Russell. Uh, you know, it's critical to have a great quarterback in, in this league, and so to come in with Russell Wilson in place is a, is a tremendous benefit for us. Uh, on our first diligence trip in, in May here, one of the first people we ran into in the hallway uh, when Rob and Carrie and I were here was Russell. And right away, you got a sense for how positive he is as a, as a leader. He's uh, just such a dynamic individual. And um, so we're, I can't wait to see him on the field. Uh, you know, I don't know how much we'll see of him on the field on Saturday, but, um, uh, but we're looking forward to it. And uh, at this point, nothing to say about his contract. There you go. Nothing to say about the contract. Very good already, Greg Penner, at answering questions without really answering questions. He was asked yesterday about whether or not Peyton Manning or John Elway will be added to the ownership group, and he did a very good job of stick-handling his way through that. So one of the skills, if you're going to be available to the media on a regular basis, you got to know how to set the agenda in response to the questions you're asked. But here's the bottom line. Here's some free advice if Rob Watson or Rob Walton or Greg Penner or anyone else in the ownership group is watching it today. And if you are, thank you very much. Welcome to the NFL. The longer you wait, the more expensive it's going to get. You you, you want to get Russell Wilson at a more favorable price? Do it now. The only, and and Chris, the only thing that would affect that would be if Russell Wilson was just horrible this year. But even then, is that going to affect his value? They've already given up significant assets to get him. They've already gone all in with him. He's got one year left on his contract after 2022. They're going to pay him market value. The only question is whether they pay him according to what the market is now or what the market will be in the offseason. Yeah, you're right. To me, it's one of those that's just, it's inevitable. It's going to happen. You know, Greg Penner and, and Mr. Walton, they're, they're just, you know, the ink just dried on them, on them buying the football team. So uh, I'm sure they're kind of, you know, in the early stages of learning the team and some of the things that go on with the salary cap and all of that. But you know, as, as he just explained right there, Greg Penner, it just, it's, it's, this is, they got, you know, they got their shiny object. They got their guy. There's not that many of them in the NFL and they do, you know, add significant value uh, these franchise quarterbacks these star quarterbacks to the team and of course just you know everything that goes around it the fanfare everybody wants to root for you a little bit more when you have one of those quarterbacks that's top five top eight in football you always feel like you got a chance and then Russell Wilson like we just talked about with Tom Brady he's all in he's everything you want for a quarterback so I, I think it's just one of those that, yes, it's just a matter of time. And with their money and whatever else, I, I feel like this could be something that just comes out of the dark midway through the season. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if that. And if it's not that, they'll get it done early in, in the next offseason period. One more point, though, and this is something to keep in mind as the Walton Penner ownership group moves forward. And this was a point that I remember making early in the offseason As it relates to just the idea, and I think it was maybe after the Stephen Ross stuff happened, the allegations made by Brian Flores, the reality is to become an owner of an NFL team, you don't have to pass a test on the NFL. You don't have to know anything at all 
about running an NFL team. You just need to have the money to pay for it. Just like you go buy a Ferrari, no requirement that you know how to drive the damn thing. No requirement to even have a driver's license. All that's needed is the money to buy it. And that's where fans just kind of have to sit back. You know, these folks seem very earnest in their approach to this. They've been very successful in maintaining the empire that Sam Walton built. They didn't build it, but they didn't run it aground into the rocks either. So there's something to be said for Walmart growing and thriving under first the stewardship of Rob Walton and more recently Greg Penner. But this is a different ballgame. And how many times have we seen person who has had unlimited success in one specific area of business try to translate that to football and realize very quickly doesn't translate doesn't translate because everybody else everybody else was successful too and this is a zero-sum game for every team that wins there's a team that loses and and so there's no guarantee that this is going to work and you got people who are coming into this sport not knowing much about it that's what's fascinating to me yeah and let's see what they find out let's see how quickly they learn let's see what kind of decisions they make let's see what they do with russell wilson they take a hard line I mean, this is going to be the this is going to be an example of what kind of ownership they're going to be. Just because they're really rich doesn't mean they're going to be throwing money at people. So the point is this: you get through the door because you have a shitload of money. After that, we find out yeah. what you know about football. Yeah, but we know the advantages you have when you got cash on hand, like we discussed yesterday. Yep. The ability to you know guaranteed contract signing bonus that certainly helps. And with the guys like this, you know, the, the, more times than not. They're, they are pretty smart. They understand how to balance checkbooks and things like that. And, you know, they, I know they've balanced yeah, them in their favor for a long time. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, know. I don't think they're worried about, I don't think they're worried yes, about balancing that's what the checks. That's what I think is cool here, too, though. I, I, I don't, you know, th- there's a part of me that I, I feel like they just, they got this because it's like, hey, we like the Broncos. And I'm, that's why I'm excited for them. There's obviously they've had their eye on this for a while. I mean, basically, it sounded like Rob Walton was like, um, I bought it cause, um, Greg Penner and, you know, uh, his wife and, uh, you know, my, my, it was his daughter, right. That, that Greg yeah. Penner's married to, they, they liked the Broncos. I mean, he basically said that they liked it. So we got it for them and it's like their, their fun toy experiment. And I don't know if they're going to necessarily care that much about making money or anything like that, which is going to be a huge positive. You know, I, I don't well, want to well, say it that well, way, but it's not going to hurt them if they don't make a lot of money is what I guess I'm saying there. Peter Brady's volcano was a fun toy experiment too until the lava ended up all over Marsha and her friends. So we'll see how it Marcia, goes. Marcia, but that, that's, that's what is fascinating to me about this. Look at David uh, Tepper. Ridiculously successful. And he's been ridiculously frustrated because he can't will his team to success the way he was able to will his portfolio to success. So, speaking of Tepper, we're going to do an NFC South training camp grab bag when this Thursday edition of PFT Live continues right after this. First of all, what uh, I talked to the offense about when we first got together was I think it's important that we all have respect because we have position battles everywhere. This is normal 
Uh, it's just probably abnormal at the quarterback position, right? But we, you know, we talked about respect is important, empathy is important. Uh, you know, you have to be just. It's hard to be completely fair because there's so many different situations and periods that you work, uh, and, the, and the target's already always moving there. So you just try to be just and give them give them all the opportunities you can give them. And uh, you know, as long as uh, we don't we don't resort to cannibalism. Uh, you know, I think we have a chance to get out of this pretty good because they're going to be both better players uh, after we come out of camp and playing really good football. Uh, so we're just going to let this play itself out, and I think the worst thing you could do is probably rush to a decision, right? Just have some patience. I know, or at least I hope, that resorting to cannibalism is a figure of speech. It's not commonly used, which I think made it extra jarring. I think what he's saying is that Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold, as long as they stick together and they don't get into an internal fight and right. spark clicks and exactly. factions and who's with me and who's with him and you get players mad about who's playing and they jostle behind the scenes for the other guy. I think that's what he means by cannibalism. Exactly right. Cannibalism. Unless he means it literally that that would be a different storyline altogether. That guy wants to be the starter so bad he ate the other quarterback. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. He's hungry. I don't think he'd have to He's eat, hungry eat to all succeed. We've got to throw him out there and make him the starter, guys. Uh, yeah, I think you, you're spot on. That's what he's talking about. He doesn't want the locker room to tear itself apart here over, you know, media. Who's it going to be? This guy, this guy. Oh, I like this guy better. I like that guy better. No, it's competition. We'll see. The best one's going to play. I think you and I both agree that we would be – Certainly more shocked if it isn't Baker Mayfield than Sam Darnold. And uh, hopefully we get a little feel for that this weekend in, in the preseason games. By the way, if we did a split screen of Ben McAdoo from that media availability earlier this week and Ben McAdoo the day he was introduced as head coach of the Giants, and I didn't know it was the same person, I would never I, believe yeah. it was the same person. <laughs> never, a, ever believe it's the same person. It's only been five years. Well, it looks like the suit he's wearing right there – would fit him better now than it did then, right? And, you know, I don't know. I, he, he looks good right there. He looks that like is got, not the same person. He's got a little thickness. Well, hey, being a head coach in, in New York and then, you know, having guys like you writing articles about him, they'll make guys age in a hurry, all right? Yeah, it's they, my oh. fault. It's my fault. <laughs> it's all my fault. It is all your um, fault. What a jerk you are, well, but we'll the, see. The, whole, the whole story on the suit was he had lost a lot of weight right. since the last time he wore the suit. Obviously, I doubted that he went into I doubted he went into Sears and said, give me a suit that's 10 sizes too big for me. That was just that was the death. Now, I wish I, I really do regret. I know we got to get to the grab bag. I really do regret that I wasn't more forceful at the time saying this is going to fail miserably because the fact that on the first day of work, somebody didn't have the awareness to say, let's wear something else. Or let's delay this for a day until we can get you a suit that fits. That just speaks to the kind of dysfunction that infects an organization top to bottom. All right, NFC South grab bag. Crystal ball for the Carolina Panthers. What will the headlines about the Panthers quarterbacks be after the preseason opener? And hopefully not. Baker Mayfield was munching on both a hot dog and Sam Darnold's calf muscle on the sideline. Well, I, I think it's going to be one of those where it's going to be, hey, both guys did some good things. It's, it's not going to be perfect from either one. You know, I don't expect one to jump out way greater than the other. You know, it, sometimes it just depends how you know, it shakes out about who you're playing, too. You know, that's where this is going to be important as well. Wait, who starts the game? Oh, okay, wait. Now we're going to surround him with the starters. And then, oh, you know, oh, man, the commanders are – they're playing their backup. So, whoa, the guy that got to start, 
you know, with the our starters, he's playing the backups and he looks really damn good. And then the next guy gets in and he's with the backup offense and he's still playing that same backup defense with Washington and it doesn't look as good. Well, yeah, he doesn't have the support around him. I don't think there's going to be anything like dramatic here. You know, I, I think we'll ultimately going to go into it and going to go uh, Baker Mayfield looked pretty good. Uh, I think that's what they're going to say. And he's he's just slightly edging out Sam Darnold right now. And it seems to be that's the kind of thing you're hearing in Carolina right now. We'll see if that continues. But I don't think anything's going to be final just after this weekend. And and that really is the problem with these preseason appearances. When you see the final stats, it's like five for eight. Like it's, You don't get into the flow of the game. You don't get the Hard. benefit of adjustments. You don't get a chance to perform in the clutch. These are all things that are a projection. Right. I mean, there's nothing that can really simulate it in a preseason game. But you're right. Who will start will at least give us an idea of who's ahead. And they've said both guys are going to play Mayfield and Darnold, but they haven't said who's going to start, unlike the Browns, who have declared the guy that definitely isn't playing week one will start on Friday night. I feel like it's starting to break toward Mayfield. I at yeah, least it does. feel like the coaches are trying to speak it into existence. Yeah, I and think so. you got to have the locker room behind him. Yeah. They've had a couple of weeks of this now, and I feel like it's moving in Mayfield's direction. It, it does seem that way. A little bit like we've read the tea leaves with you know Pete Carroll and Geno Smith. It just seems like, yes, there's more buzz around Baker Mayfield. You know, It does seem like there's a little bit more positive talk. Well, we're so impressed with how he's picked things up, and he's getting more and more comfortable, and you know, you'll see the talent in his arm and all of that. Plus, you know, Sam Darnold, great guy and got talent, but I think he's a little bit, you know, this guy all the time. And, you know, Baker Mayfield's the guy that I think is, he can come in and be energy. And like we heard like two weeks ago, he's talking crap to everybody and doing all that, where I, I, I would imagine that more guys might gravitate towards him. <clears throat> that doesn't mean they would stay there forever. Sometimes, you know, if you don't win games and you're that guy, they kind of get sick of you. And they're like, all right, let's go back to the guy that's this way all the time. This guy's crazy and all over the place. But I could see him coming in and with the first impression kind of rallying the tr or the troops rallying around him because I think he does have a little bit of an infectious personality and, and a way about him that guys want to hang with him a little bit. Um. Yeah, I, I agree with you, and I just think it's a matter of time before it is Mayfield. Let's move to the Buccaneers. Buy or sell. With Tom Brady and the Bucks, Julio Jones will resurrect his career. Buying or selling? Phew. I'm going to buy it. I am. I don't know. There's just something about it. I think there's, there's two things that make me believe this. One, you know, disappointing year last year. Two, um, he's not going to be dependent on to have to be the one or number two in the offense. You know, they, and I think they can probably manage how much he's on the field and how much wear and tear he you know, has on his body, maybe compared to other places he was at. In Tennessee last year, he, he had to be the two. So I, I think there's something there. And then, you know, I've, I've heard through the grapevine, too, that, hey, TB12 and, and company, yes. they, they got him going. They, they, they know there's some injury issues there, and I would be shocked that TB12 and Alex Guerrero don't got him on a little plan to make sure you stay healthy all year for Tommy. Yeah, The Buccaneers will send out quote sheets from the daily press conferences they have, and it's a variety of players, but I'll read through those, and one of the things that will pop out on a fairly consistent basis is, you know, what do you think of Julio Jones? Holy crap. The guy, he's still Julio Jones. So... I think he will resurrect his career. I think the TB12 stuff will make a difference. And I feel like 
I feel like maybe he'll be a little more motivated, a little more driven than he's been in the past couple of years. There's always yeah. that question, and I'm not accusing. I'm just saying there's always that question when a guy's got, you know, I got a sore hamstring, I got a sore calf. And could you really play if you wanted to, or or is there something else going on here? In Atlanta, it felt like there was something else going on near the end. Last year in Tennessee, maybe he wasn't happy with his role. I don't know. But I feel like this year he's going to be all in. He wants that Super Bowl ring. TB12 is going to help ensure that he stays healthy. I, 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 I originally thought he wasn't going to be great with them. I have a feeling he will be. Fill in the blank. Biggest challenge for Dennis Allen in his first year as a Saints head coach is what, Chris? I, I, I think the, hmm, the the quarterback play. I'm, I'm going to say that the quarterback play. I mean, that's to me is the one thing I, I just I want to see the offense in general, what it can be. You know, and I don't. I'm, I'm excited about the players they got. You know, the roster and Jarvis Landry, Michael Thomas back, Chris Olave. Whoa, wow. You know, but the quarterback. I just say with Jameis Winston last year. He was very managed by Sean Payton. So is he going to take that next step in knowing the offense and be able to make a little bit more plays and be trustworthy to make those plays and not revert back into, whoa, he might throw three interceptions while he's trying to make some of these great plays too. So I I look at that, and then, of course, when you throw in the guys coming off an injury and just tweaked his foot, uh, yeah, I, I look at the quarterback situation, and I hate making this the answer because we talk quarterbacks all the time, but I, I think this is one that it, it truly stands the test here because we know the D is good. We know the O-line's good. There's a lot of good things about this roster, and I think you and I both think that this team can be a real pain in the ass in the NFC. I, I'm going to broaden a little bit and say not having Sean Payton there. Yeah, I, okay. Yeah. I, we, we look at the Saints and say, hey, you know, when, when has there really been a transition like this where – the coach leaves, but everybody else stays. Yeah. The staff stays. One of the assistants ends up being the head coach. Hey, all right, Sean, we're, wait, we beat the Buccaneers nine to nothing on a Sunday night without you. We're fine for now. I, I think we're understating what it means to take this maniacal football savant out of the organization. Yeah. Who's going to fill that role? Right. Of the, the guy with the unrelenting work ethic. Right. To watch all that extra film, to watch and study the reel of every touchdown scored the prior weekend in the NFL by every team, looking for something that maybe could be used later against one of their opponents, whether it's this week or next week or in the playoffs or next year. I mean, He's got this database in his brain, a football computer, and he's constantly looking to fill it up with more stuff. And now that guy's gone. Is Pete Carmichael going to be that guy? Is Dennis Allen, who's a defensive coordinator, going to become that guy on the offensive side of the ball? I don't see a Bill Belichick transition for him happening like that. That's the biggest challenge. That's a good one, Mike. Is replacing what Sean Payton meant to that team day in and day out. Yeah, I, that, that's a good one by you, Mike. I, I think that's that maybe is the most important thing. You're right. And I, I didn't I didn't we've just think... we just but but I mean yeah. we all I'm guilty of it too. It's the yeah. first time I've thought of it in 7 months. No, it's, it's... Sean Payton's not there anymore. Sean that's Payton's... kind of a big deal. Yeah. He's the he's the best coach on that staff and he's one of the best coaches in football. You're right. And 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 yeah, he is the guy that I think drives, you know, the motivation of the team, the coaches, knows how to, you know, put press buttons and all of that. Uh, that is something to watch for, for sure. I mean, they're an ed- they've been an edgy, smart, schematical football team for a long time, and that is because of Sean Payton, because he's one of the best coaches in football over the last 15 years. 
All right, buy or sell. Desmond Ritter will be the most impressive rookie quarterback during the 2022 preseason. Um, well, I'm going to sell that. I am. Uh, I mean, um, n- not that I don't think he can't be, you know, impressive. I think he'll make a few plays, but I also just look at, you know, that team and go, okay, I'm not quite sure about them. They're one of those teams that don't look real impressive on paper right now. And then I think the other thing, too, is, yeah, I just got to see a little bit more as we talk through the draft process. Desmond Ritter's throwing was extremely inconsistent at Cincinnati. And I I got questions about that. So I can't throw him in there yet quite when, you know, I know Kenny Pickett's been pretty damn good in Pittsburgh. Matt Corral seems to show up on social media and get a little buzz every now and then with his arm and what he's doing. Um, So, you know, again, I think it'll be good, but I'm not going to buy he's going to be the most impressive. And I think that for Falcons fans, the whole situation is depressing. Um, and, and look, I know that the first rule of tank club is don't talk about tank club as all owners learned last week, but it just feels like the Falcons are positioning Total themselves rebuild. to let nature take its course and end up with a prime draft pick next year that they can use on a franchise quarterback. Not that they're trying to lose any one specific game. And as you said yesterday, hey, if you're going to gamble on the Falcons this year, especially once they fade from contention, it's on you if you think they're actually trying to win the game. Right. Uh, yes. You know, again, they might be trying to win the game, but it's not win the game with maybe some of their best players, as we discussed. And they're going to start thinking about the future. So, yeah, it's a, it's a dicey subject, but, yeah, that wouldn't be uh, – they are – I'm still amazed at what they did last year. I really am. And their team on paper looks worse than last year. And there's no Matt Ryan, of course. So uh, I, I'm kind of with you. I think they're trying to kind of retool this whole roster and, and, and go on with a, a plan going forward here. Playing quarterback today for the Atlanta Falcons, team owner Arthur Blank. Uh, we got to evaluate. We got to evaluate everybody in the building. Um, all right, let's go ahead and take a break. The preseason doesn't begin tonight. We know it began last Thursday, but the actual official week one of the preseason starts tonight with a couple of games. We'll get you as ready for those as we possibly can because, like everyone else, we don't know a damn thing about what's going to happen tonight, but we're still going to watch it. And we'll talk about it next year on PFT Live. Simsism. Crap down the bed. You know, with Derek Carr and everything he's got there, I think he goes, man, as long as we don't just totally, you know, crap down the bed, we're going to be here for a significant amount of time and be able to build something. We're barely an hour in after our hiatus and crap down the bed. That's a first. We've been doing this five (laughs) years together. Let me just move on before I make any references to any high-profile trials that may have happened earlier this year. Okay. You're Johnny Depp. How do I that, become Amber Heard? Hey, you're Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> you're right. I'm Trevor Lawrence <laughs> with a much skinnier neck. Oh, my gosh. Jeez, that's, that's scary. Well that's done, disturbing. though. Well done. I don't yeah. know if that was Wyatt or EJ, but it was good either way. I, 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 I'm in the Ben McAdoo suit that is cannibalizing me. I'm sinking into quicksand of the Ben McAdoo suit, but still very well done. I, I right. like crap uh, down the bed. I think that's a good one. I'm, I'm going to stick with that. I think, you know, again, well, I, what happened yeah. was you used to say crap down your leg and crap the bed and you got them twisted up because well, we were off for five weeks. You had to get, I got to get going. Right. Form. Yeah. You pee down your leg. You, you know, 
crap the you bed. You said you had said yeah. you had said. I know, I know. I've said I've said it all. Yeah. Right. I mean, let's let's not you know dive too deep into my knowledge of the English language. We know that's suspect as it is, but uh, it's another one that you know came out, and I I kind of like it. I'm going to stick with it. Tonight, Giants <laughs> Patriots rematch of Super Bowls forty two and forty six in the preseason. Giants are expected to have their starters play, even if it's just one series. No starters for the Patriots expected at all. Who and what, Chris, are you watching for in this one? As your favorite team plays your former employer. Yeah, uh, well, listen, I like both of these teams. You know that. I I do. But, yeah, the Giants, I mean, just life under Brian Dayball. I'm excited. I think that's why they're playing the starters. You just, hey, we're going to get used to the way I do things, pregame, all that you know, hey, Daniel Jones, I want you to hear my voice in your ear a little bit, how we call plays and how the game's managed that way. But, you know, as always in this, yeah, I want to see Daniel Jones and the offense and just what it looks like. Maybe he looks more comfortable. What tricks do they got in the offense? And then uh, I think after that, you know, obvious here. And go into, the, like, the, the rookies, the rookies that the, the Giants drafted, two in the top ten. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau. A guy that, you know, I wasn't sure how great he's going to be. I know he's opened some eyes in Giants training camp, and I certainly hope I'm wrong. But, yeah, him, Evan Neal, you know, the Giants offensive line that has been absolute the worst in football the last two years. So I think that's the thing I'm looking for more than anything, you know, on the Giants side of the ball. And, you know, what about you? Anything jump out to you in this one? Well, look, I, I know there's a balance between getting you guys ready and not getting them injured. Nathaniel Hackett was talking about that yesterday as it relates to the reality that we probably won't see Russell Wilson on Saturday night against the Cowboys. Your main priority is keeping your key players healthy. But Daniel Jones learning the Brian Dayball offense in a contract year, how do you strike that balance of how much you want to see him throughout the preseason? If it's just a series on on Thursday night, what, what difference does it make? Like Like Aaron Rodgers said, and we played that sound yesterday, what does that really do? How does that help Daniel Jones better prepare himself to have a big season in this new offense? And every team's got to strike that balance differently, and you are consciously putting your guys at risk for injury, especially quarterbacks who aren't touched at all in practice, ideally, but are definitely in position to get touched in a preseason game. Who can forget when Eli Manning against the Jets that one time got his face busted open? In a preseason game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you're right. There's a there's a fine balance. I'm a little bit old school in the, hey, we only got so many chances to go out there and really hit and tackle and do that stuff, so let's let's do that. That's where I find it a little curious with the Patriots. I do. I'm excited to see some of their young guys, too. Tyquan Thornton, the second-round wide receiver, you know, can fly. But, you know, I don't think many people in football thought he was worth a second-round pick. Um you know, they got a, a running back out of South Dakota State, Pierre Strong, who also can fly. I want to see him. But, you know, and again, maybe correct me I'm wrong, and maybe i got to look this up a little bit more. But the Patriots have been one of those teams that, even in the first preseason game, a lot of their starters play, you know, in, in years past. And I don't know. I just I wonder if there's something to the offense, you know, the new shakedown of the coaching on the offensive side of the ball is not quite – you know, all running smoothly right yet. And maybe Bill Belichick doesn't want to put that out there and, you know, and, you know, in, you know, put more you know, fuel on the fire here with that one. I, I'm just curious to me. I'm just throwing it out there for talk here. Um, I, I, 
it's just weird that there's been all of this optimism and hype for Mac Jones when you consider the transition the offense is going through. And something that occurred to me. And it's gotten a little a negative lately, if you, if, you, if you listen up there, that where the offense seems to be struggling, and they think Mac yes. Jones has kind of taken a step back the last 10 days. Now, again, I know this is media, but I've also heard people like Willie McGinnis say it on the NFL Network. Will, Willie ain't, you know, he ain't been there the whole time. He's talking to somebody in New England. So that, that's where, you know, uh, I just, that, that's where I kind of connect dots as we talked about earlier in the show. Let me spin this forward then because I'm looking at the depth chart. Mac Jones, Brian Hoyer, and rookie Bailey Zappa. Jimmy Garoppolo gets cut September 10 by the 49ers and he becomes a free agent and no one is rushing to make him a starter. Could you see Bill Belichick bringing him back as a backup to Mac Jones and just kind of a just in case? I don't. I don't see it. You know, it, it we, we've, we've discussed this before. I, I think they're, they're a team that doesn't want to deal with that. They don't want that drama. They don't want, you know, as we talked about with Sam Darnold and Baker Mayfield, the, you know, any dividing in the locker room. They, they believe in, hey, the head coach is the man, the quarterback is the commander of the offense, and we're going to get all the troops to buy into the commander. That's why so, they cut Cam Newton last year. Exactly. So that's, that's yep. where I, I, I find out. I don't right. think that'll happen, Mike. I, I if you can get him for nothing and if you have any concerns whatsoever about Mac Jones and he knows the offense and you're in this weird transition with Joe Judge and Matt Patricia in these key roles on the offensive side of the ball, it's just a weird time. If it was any other coach yeah, doing we'd all this, be going, what the hell? We'd be saying, that guy needs to be fired or at a minimum drug tested. It, it, but Bill Belichick's six rings goes a long way to getting you some benefit of the doubt. Titans, Ravens, and this is important. This is potentially historic, monumental, because the Ravens tonight trying to extend their record with their 21st consecutive <laughs> preseason victory. I tweeted earlier, I'll only be impressed when they set the record for preseason games with 100 yards rushing. That's when I'll really be <laughs> You're impressed. You're funny. <laughs> but uh, what, what are you watching for tonight? Lamar Jackson not playing. Other starters are. Mark Andrews isn't either. What are we looking for? Let's start with Baltimore when they have the ball. And I think the main thing they're looking for is let's not lose a bunch of guys to torn ACLs this preseason. I, I, I think so, too. They're, they're going to be wary of that. You know, this is one where, like, you know, the, 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 these are the old chipsters here, the chippy coaches. The chippy coaches, even in preseason. I can see Mike Vrabel going, you know, it's the preseason, but uh, I might go Tony Dungy on them and kick an onside kick at some point in the game just to make everybody in the league worry about it and also screw Baltimore over because we might see them in the playoffs and we hate them and let's piss them off and ruin this preseason streak. Like, Vrabel's that kind of guy, in my opinion. I don't know Mike Vrabel that well, but I think, you know, we've been around him enough to know that he's oh. highly motivated and would love probably, you know, sticking it up you-know-what on Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> First of all, I love the fact that you think he doesn't like you. That is awesome because <laughs> I if I ever need to have a lieutenant when I'm dealing with you, it's going to be Mike Vrabel. Yeah, yeah. And secondly, we've we've seen this Vrabel Harbaugh thing. Remember, there right. was something about they were on the logo and yes. Harbaugh was mad, and and Vrabel's like, "Get the f back yeah. over there and coach right. your you team." You coach your team, right? Yeah. Right. That's so what I mean. I, I think yeah. I think Vrabel would love, and if they do beat them. I have a feeling Vrabel will, will find a way to have something to say to John Harbaugh about the ending of the record preseason winning streak. And nobody, why do you? And I understand Harbaugh explained it, defended it, and you want to have a winning culture, and this is what we do, and nobody cares. Nobody cares. You want your guys to be healthy and ready for the season when it matters. Those records go to zero and zero. And I remember one time, it's been eight, nine years ago, 
where I said, hey, look, if we're upset about the fact that preseason doesn't matter, then let's make preseason record like the seventh tiebreaker. I mean, something extremely low on the list. Yeah, I got you. More than than coin flip. Right. If we want to give it some meaning, let's do it. I got dragged for that. It's like, okay, fine. Go ahead and enjoy meaningless preseason then. Yeah. I mean, at least it gives it some little relevance. It's not the worst idea. It's not the worst idea. But, hey, we want to see Malik Willis, right? I'm excited to see that. You know, Traylon Burke. I mean, he's... He's, he's, you know, taking the place of A.J. Brown, who's top five, top seven receiver in the, in football. I mean, that's huge. And, the, and then, then, you know, the reports about him have not been glowing all the way through. So that is definitely something I want to see. And Malik Willis, we know, got talent, but he's raw. And then you take it to the Ravens side of the ball. I mean, yeah, you know, it's really the biggest thing to me with the Ravens is like the wide receiver group. I just want to see that group. Rashad Bateman, I hope he plays tonight just so you can kind of get a feel for, hey, who's the guy or two or three there at that position that, you know, can be the guy that can help out Lamar Jackson on third and seven during the season. And Malik Willis, I, you know, I feel like the average Titans fan is looking for any reason to abandon the Ryan Tannehill ship. Yes. So if Malik Willis plays well, that's going to create buzz and that's going to put pressure on Tannehill I heard and, Tannehill's and, been great, though, in training camp. That's well, one thing I was well, told. So, I you know he's going to have to continue you know, it, but you're hey, right. Hey, hey, it could be the Jordan Love effect, right? Yeah, no Get doubt the about guy's it. guy's attention. Perfect right. point in his career to give him a kick in the ass or the red-hot poker, as you would say. All right, let's take a break. Training camp feats of strength. We'll do that when this Thursday, almost said Wednesday, it actually is Thursday edition of PFT Live. Live Friday, baby. Woo! How long have you guys been listening? Back to the Bleacher Report days, Matthew? Is that how far back you go? I've been listening since Chris started appearing on PFT. I liked how, you know, Florio can sometimes put out some like, eh, whatever stuff. But <laughs> mo- for most of it, you guys are you guys keep it like in the realm of possibility. There was other shows that were very um, hot take-ish, and I-, I appreciated how you guys were thoughtful in your in the process he's from jersey and he yeah. doesn't really like florio that much so that's my <laughs> kind of guy i like this guy a lot <laughs> I, I, I tried not to talk during that moment so that you can use that clean clip on florio's florio show tomorrow, tomorrow. right, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> oh i forgot about that <laughs> you, better, you better watch your ass guy who i have no idea who you are <laughs> yeah you better watch yourself guy who nobody knows when you come at the king you better not miss oh i know i love it it was Uh, a good chuckle it was a good chuckle i have no idea who that was i I literally have no idea who that was you're not supposed to know who it was it was a guy that was very close to getting my top 10 quarterback rankings right he got eight out of the 10 those three those three people there uh, oh, okay. So we I had them, no uh, idea. Yeah, don't worry. It's my God, it's you're that is, desperate for content. Uh, well, we we try to give back to the people a little bit when they get involved with us, and that was a thing. Here's the like, best way. To, here's the best way to give back to the people. Don't make the people have to listen to the people. Oh, geez, don't leave, get all sensitive, it. Sally, on me because they took a shot at you. you Relax, tell that okay? Guy to kiss my hairy ass. All right, geez. all right. Man, what, you got a lot of hair down <laughs> no, there, I'm just huh? Kidding. <laughs> I'm just actually I don't. Uh, that, 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 uh, anyway, let's keep going. Uh, Bengals. Joe Burrow. He remains day to day after an appendectomy. Won't play in the preseason open. I had somebody email me the other day when we were talking about how, you know, how hard it is to come back from an appendectomy when you're an NFL quarterback. This guy, I recovered in three days. Do you play quarterback in the NFL, pal? As I well, no. 
So it is a different thing. Your body was invaded. The muscles were opened up. They took out an organ. They closed it up. It's going to take a little time to yeah. get back to feeling the right way. So that's right. I don't expect them to play in the preseason anyway, but yeah, get them ready for week one. That's all that matters. Yeah, that's right. Get them ready for week one. I'm not concerned yet either, but you, you, you said it right. This is what I'm concerned about a little. Look at him. And I, I, I know there, there's reports that he's, he's, I think, has had trouble thin. eating. Right. He's very thin. And I heard Zach Taylor, you know, make a comment. I think it was yesterday, the day before, that he was, you know, Joe was eating a banana. And we were, I, I was good to see. So there's obviously been a little issue there with kind of jump-starting his body or whatever that way, you know, to where, yeah, I'm not concerned, but it looks like there's going to be a little bit of a, you know, effort here to, to get his body back to where it was before the surgery. Bengals receiver Jamar Chase had a rough preseason last year. We talked about that, how you don't get the flow of the game. He had some focus and concentration issues. Once the games counted, he was a different guy altogether. Troy Walters, former NFL receiver, who is the position coach, for Bengals receiver Jamar Chase says he's going to be all over the field. We're going to use him as many ways as we can. He's a quick learner. That's what great players want to do. They want to play everywhere. They understand the value of moving around and how you stress defenses sometimes in the slot. You don't want defenses to focus on you. He's embraced that challenge. Just find a way to create mismatches. Right. Try to get single coverage. Try to get a free release at the line of scrimmage. Maybe a little bit of a, a, a running start if you're going across the formation and then you can break out of that into your route. This guy can do everything. And it's good to see that the Bengals are setting him up to do everything. That, that's where I, I get off, you know, get to the like, I don't think this is going to be a letdown year for the Bengals. I, I'm more of one to think that last year was a jump off. And I'm not saying they can replicate exactly what they did and get back to the Super Bowl. But I just still think Arrow pointing up all the way. They kept it simple for Jamar Chase last year. I mean, you and I, we, we watched, you know, all those games. Think about it. He was kind of always on the outside, you know, maybe by himself to the left, maybe by himself to the right, or the outside guy of three. He was he was always that guy. So they did. You know, now, hey, you know the offense. We know what you can do. You're more comfortable. And that's where they're going to be able to screw some defenses over. This guy is, you know, he's amazing. And that's where I, I'd be shocked. I really will be by the end of the year if not everybody kind of you know, doesn't look at it and go, yeah, Jamar Chase is the best receiver in football. I think he's got that type of talent. I think we're looking at a real special superstar right here. There is something specific that I think of every time I see the name Troy Walters. When we return, I'm going to tell Chris what it is and see if he remembers it. We'll do that when this Thursday edition of PFT Live concludes right after this. All right, so we, we shared a quote last segment from Troy Walters, the Bengals receivers coach, and I apologize to Troy in advance, but he needs to apologize to all Vikings fans for what happened in January of 2001 at Old Giants Stadium. Giants led the game 7-0, 12.53 left in the first quarter. Giants kicked off on that grass field. Remember that grass for a while? Yeah. Walters let the kickoff hit the turf. And it didn't bounce. It bounced straight up, and the Giants recovered. And this was nothing, this, just like that. This was January of 2000? One. It was the 41 nothing game. Oh, January 2001. Okay. Gotcha. The 41 nothing game. That was, wow. I did not remember That's that that was him. That's what opened the floodgates. Yes, yes. He let, he let the ball hit the ground, and it went straight up. Another guy ran over to try to recover it. They did a Keystone Cops thing. Giants recover 14 nothing. 
turn out the lights, the party. Oh, man. Yeah, well, I must have tailgated a little hard there that day because I don't remember that specifically because, that, I mean, that, that all I know is every four seconds I was standing up going, woo, eat it, Vikings, <laughs> eat it. <laughs> it was actually a really special day. That was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun at that game. So, I, But I forgot he was a part of that later. team. <laughs> yeah. Um, he played at Stanford and he was return specialist and receiver for the Vikings. But yeah, that, and it was that stupid grass, that stupid gra- Why did they put grass in there? After all those years of green cement, they put grass in and that ball bounced straight up in the air. And that was that. Not, not that the Vikings would have won that day. I think all fields should be grass. That's where I wish they would all be for the betterment of the players. And I like the way it looks on TV or when you're in the stadium. I wish it was that way. Well, I don't know that that was an ideal grass field. That's the thing. If it's no. going to be grass, it's got to be Lambo. That's not yeah, I hear soldier. You. Not, yeah, not and, so, or not like I, 25 teams playing on it during the week yeah. and all that crap. I think the stuff they had at Old Giant Stadium was closer to FedEx field than anything else. All right, that's it for today. Chris, enjoy your three-day weekend. Hey, Everybody see you. Work hard Friday. tomorrow. <laughs>